Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Tuesday, December 5th. Hopes and Dreams. Today's scripture reading, 2 Samuel 11, 1. Message translation. When that time of year came around again, the anniversary of the Ammonite aggression, David dispatched Joab and his fighting men of Israel in full force to destroy the Ammonites for good. They laid siege to Rabbah, but David stayed in Jerusalem. This is God's word. Bathsheba's situation is oftentimes overlooked during the telling of this story. Perhaps that is partly because of the text itself and the way it only mentions her passively and in third person. The one departure from this is when she sends the news of her pregnancy to David. Perhaps it is partly because this is what many who have been in similar situations experience. If we're going to tell her story well, it's important for us to try to put ourselves into her shoes. We don't often think of what her hopes and dreams for her life may have been, or the power dynamics at play as she's literally summoned by the King of Israel or the ripples that it created. There can be a lot of blame or motivation thrown on her, which never helps us to truly hear anyone's story. In Mary Dumuth's book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, she seeks to unravel some of the common misconceptions that we can carry with us in regards to women in scripture. Her retelling of this particular story provides a fantastic framework to help us see all of these events as messy as they are, through Bathsheba's eyes. This week, we're going to be exploring different pieces of this imaginative retelling by Demuth. And as we do, it may just help us to hear the story of Bathsheba a little bit more clearly, and to consider aspects that we may not have considered before. Let us jump into that retelling now and consider what some of her dreams may have been before that fateful day that would change everything. Bathsheba lived under the beautiful weight of her name. As the seventh daughter of Eliam, her name had two meanings, the seventh daughter and the daughter of an oath. She often wondered what that meant for her, seven being the number of holy completion and an oath being a strong bond of allegiance. She had long heard the stories of her father, whose name meant God is gracious, and his exploits as one of King David's royal officers. It was through this connection that Eliam betrothed her to one of David's mighty men, Uriah. She made her oath to the Almighty that she would love Uriah for the rest of her life, and he reciprocated in kind, but with an addition on their wedding day. You are the Rose of Sharon, he said, a beautiful bride. You are God's great gift to me. His was a hungry dedication. He never ceased to remind her of the beauty he saw in her eyes. And under kindness like that, her beauty flourished. That's what love did. Her husband carried great weight in David's army as a commander of one of his 30 regiments. Though a Hittite and a foreigner, Uriah had spent his life in strength, honor, and duty. Though his heritage followed him, Uriah chose to become an Israelite, heroic, and fully dedicated to the cause of Yahweh. 
This Bathsheba loved, not only his exploits, but his heart. What did she long for? A child, a son with Uriah's valor and her tenderness, with bright eyes, strong arms, and a love for the Almighty. But month after month, her womb remained barren, and she ached at the thought. So many mikvehs she spent praying, hoping that this time her monthly cycle would cease. The only time resentment crept in her heart was when Uriah's exploits prevented him from returning home, lessening their chances of having a family. When he did cross the threshold of their home, she wrapped herself around him, holding on to hope and love and completion. But the completion remained incomplete. Bathsheba sank into melancholy the moment Uriah left home to battle Israel's armies. As he did, she battled her own. She prayed. She lamented. She fasted. She feasted. She lay flat on the cold tile of her bedchamber, begging God to please see her and open her womb for heaven's sake. But the heavens remained mute. This last statement of today's story is going to become something of a theme in Bathsheba's retelling. Maybe we can relate to it at times as we navigate our longings and pain, and as we experience moments where it feels as though we are not seen in our distress. Perhaps we can find some hope in Bathsheba's story by the ways that we see him remember her, even as she has experienced the fallen aspects of our world. The events about to unfold would not have a final say over her. What dreams and longings have you brought before God? Have you experienced hopes and dreams that have been destroyed by circumstances? How did you navigate that? Or perhaps are you navigating that now? Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline, featuring in biblical lore too often, manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines, writ large and bold, to the hidden figures and the byline and the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told, nor we here to tell it, nor to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rahav, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam, Help me not to brush by them or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth, in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem on one starry, starry night through your mercies.